Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Let's play some football! Run right to the back of it. Run right to the middle and out the back. What's known in football terms as a slam dunk. Baby, you're a Hey, good morning. Coming to you on your Tuesday, September 13th. This is Daytime Fireworks. I am your host, Zach Barry. Joining me, Mr. David Brandt of the Associated Press. We're flipping the schedule this week. We normally come to you later. We're coming to you earlier. We'll have a recruiting show later this week. Coming to you as well. But David, good afternoon. We uh, we were we were juggling there. We were, we were shuffling uh, not only the schedule this podcast, but uh, our daily schedules today. We both had a lot going on. Hey, you know, dad life, that, that's how it goes sometimes. Yeah. Balancing all kinds of things. So we're coming to you with a, with a new uh, podcast, Mike. So yeah, we're, as the, hopefully as we're, the, we're loud uh, and clear this time. Your kids say it, not my kids, because mine are very little, but you know, as I hear the kids, sometimes they say, uh, sometimes it'd be like that. So yeah. um, sometimes it, what, what, what else do they say? No cap. Dear kids say that I don't even know. I was just one of them told my me that. kids don't like what? Yeah, I was like, excuse me. Yeah, what? no cap. Uh, in your, I guess you could say we're both in our bag because we're back here podcasting again. <laughs> that's that's a thing. Um, yeah, I, uh, and of course, being sus, I always felt bad for you know the uh, the new the the, the he's not new, but he's been at the Clarion Ledger for a while. It's a tough name to be. It's a tough time to be named Nick Sus. Yeah, wrong That's generation. Wrong generation to be. I mean, at least his name's not Karen Sus. Yeah. Oh, that that'd that be, be about brutal. the worst name possible, like a, yeah. a principal named Karen Sus or something like that. But anyway, apologies to Nick. Didn't mean to. Yeah, bring yeah, him Nick. Nick, to some, Nick reluctantly, he, he's he's trying to be coy, but I think he's really hoping that it doesn't become a thing. But our very own Ben Garrett is trying to make. Um, you know, that sus a thing, like when he has Nick sus on his show. And he I mean, it kind of should be, you've got to capitalize on that. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like it's, it's, the, it's his brand. Right. I mean, you know, if people, it just doesn't roll off the tug to, to say, you know, uh, you're Brandt, you're sus. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like sus sounds so much better, but anyway. All right. Yeah. Sorry, Nick. <laughs> all right. So, Hey, we talked about it on our gambling show last week that, some of the games didn't have the name cachet, but the intrigue was there. And boy, I tell you what, my picks have been atrocious so far, but that title of that podcast nailed it because last week was insane. Um, you had the Alabama Texas game in Austin that was incredibly fun, probably frustrating for Texas fans, but for, for, People like us that had no dog in the hunt. It was a lot of fun to watch. And then, oh, yeah, of course, great football game. Of course, you had um, AM, Nebraska, Notre Dame falling. Big day for the Sun Belt. We'll get into that in the 
um, in a moment. But let's start at Alabama, Texas, number one, Crimson Tide, uh, little shades of the Rose Bowl there as Quinn Ewers gets injured. Um, before he went down, though, it was – I think Saban was was pacing a little faster than normal over there. Yeah, it's always hard to play what if, but yours looked really good. And Hudson Card played all right when he came in, too. I mean, gave him a chance. It wasn't like a monstrous drop-off. But, yeah, I don't know. You know, I know it's been a meme the last couple of years is, is Texas back. But Texas impressed me more in that game than they have in just about any other game over the past several years. So, I don't know if they're back, but they're they're certainly trending in the right direction. Yeah, before he went down, Quinn Ewers, 9 of 12 for 134 yards, averaging 11 yards of completion. He was really stressing that secondary for Alabama. Um, they didn't really get B. John Robinson going much. He did have the one touchdown, but I, I was thinking that they were going to turn to him a lot more to take the pressure off of Ewers, but, I mean, he handled it well um, outside of the obvious injury when it was uh, knocked him out of the game, but – it, it was a it was an odd game to see Alabama, a team that we've grown accustomed after Lane Kiffin helped them, you know, kind of usher them into the new era of offensive football, only scoring 20 points. I mean, only had 10 at the half. They really didn't have the marquee name. Right, the receiver. explosiveness. Right. Yeah. Just... I mean, the the leading pass catcher was was Jameer Gibbs, who's a running back. Right. Um, so Maybe Gary Patterson over there has figured something out for for the Longhorns defensively. Um, you know, we we know they have talent. They have recruited well under Sark, but um, just a just a bummer from a pure viewing standpoint of viewers going down because before that it was it was oh absolutely game. you always hate to see that because you're you're always going to play what if you know if you're Texas if you're Alabama on that. Um, yeah, well, they literally did a segment on game day. Colton McCoy, do what? I said they did a segment about that on game day. Like, what if Colt McCoy doesn't get hurt? Oh, yeah, yeah. I saw it on ESPN.com, too, and I remember that. I don't – you know, this probably isn't quite as comparable just because I don't think the drop-off was as big. But, yeah, it, it definitely – it was really weird how history kind of repeated itself. But, I mean, yeah. to me, the biggest takeaway from that is, you know, Alabama against pretty much everybody except maybe Georgia and one or two other teams – usually physically overwhelms the other teams. And, and that didn't happen with Texas. And I think that's the biggest mm -hmm. takeaway to me, like Texas toe to toe stood with them and, you know, they weren't pushed around at all. Uh, if anything, they pushed Alabama around a little bit at times and uh, you just don't see that very often. So I think that bodes well, just moving forward for Texas. It wasn't like it was a smoke and mirrors type thing. This was, mm -hmm. you know, this was big boy football, they had a quarterback get hurt, you know, and, and still nearly won the game. So yeah. I, I just think generally speaking for Sark and moving forward for Texas, those are the takeaways. I mean, I know it hurts to lose Alabama's lucky to get out of there with a win. Um, but I, I think long-term that's the most impressed I've been with Texas in a long, long time. Yeah, I agree. I was fully expecting Alabama to just run roll them. And right. I, I expected I expected it to be close for a little bit. And then I expected a two touchdown win. I expected something yeah. like 35 to 20. Yeah, you know, exactly. Texas hangs in there a little bit, but Alabama too explosive hit some big plays and it just never really happened. I mean, yes, Alabama rallied to win, but that was a struggle. <laughs> and I mean, oh, I, yeah. and, and certainly Nick Saban admitted that. And it, it was just, it was weird to see Alabama 
look mortal against a team outside of the SEC. Yeah, sure. I, I, and if you, if Alabama doesn't have Bryce Young under center, they, they lose the game for sure. sure. He made a couple of Heisman worthy plays there. I, if he's going to go back to back, maybe his Heisman moments this early in the season, but um, heck of a final drive to put it away. Um, speaking of the SEC, uh, the other big national game, well, <laughs> it wasn't a national game until the end. Uh, national news, uh, the number six Texas A&M Aggies fall to the App State Mountaineers. Um, just a, I mean, low scoring, but I mean, just a beautiful game in terms of uh, the Sun Belt. Pulling off the upset, uh, Chase Bryce, I still don't know how he's still in college. I feel like I've heard his name for seven years now. He's the DJ Shackelford of Appalachian State. I remember, you know, DJ Shackelford, I joked his like whatever his sixth year at Ole Miss. Uh, it was like he was a 36-year-old, 13-year-old veteran for the Titans or something yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah. I kind of feel like that with Chase Bryce. My my go-to is always Alex Tejada, the kicker from Arkansas. I feel like he was there for like nine years. Yes. Um, yes. It's, it's always got to be somebody who played early, usually has an injury or something like that, and then stays forever. But I just remember talking to DJ Shackelford his last year and like – you know, it was like talking to a, a peer instead of a college dude. I was like, <laughs> you're like my age, dude. But, yeah. Uh, but yeah, um, no, that was, that was, I don't know why anybody schedules App State at this point. I mean, uh, that's, dude. that's a good football program, man. And it's, there's not a lot of, you know, I heard I, someone, I heard someone say, if you have a stadium that holds more than a hundred thousand, you shouldn't, you shouldn't have them come play you. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're tough. And they've they've done it a couple times now. It's not and and you brought this. You mentioned it in passing earlier, but it really fascinates me. You know, the Sun Belt obviously had its coming out party with you know some big wins. Georgia Southern, you saw with Clay Helton, it was fun to watch him do that. Um, you know, I, I think what kind of got lost in the mix of you know realignment and teams going to different is is the Sun Belt kind of came out smelling like roses a little mm -hmm. bit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they. Like the Sun Belt, what I like what they've done, and it's, you know, it's partly by accident. And I think Southern Miss, you know, a, a lot of people were upset that they ended up in the Sun Belt. But I think long term, it's a really good thing because I think that conference is like the AAA of the SEC, like a really good AAA. It's a lot of regional rivalries, mm -hmm. good football, good players, you know, again, not quite usually at the level of the SEC, but obviously in the in the case of App State and Texas A&M, you can beat the big boys and Georgia Southern beat Nebraska, you can beat them. And I, yes. I just think that's a really, I, I think conferences, especially in that group of five, the, the thing that you really need to have going for it, and the Mountain West has this a little bit, but you need that, the, the regional you know, just games for the people to care about, that people rivalries develop and, and different things. And I, and I think that that, exists now in the Sun Belt. And I think that could, I think it was a great move just from a Mississippi perspective for Southern Miss to get out of Conference USA, just because I, you know, what is Conference USA doing? It's just this hodgepodge of random teams that there's no geographical or any other sort of rivalries. And so I, I think the Sun Belt, just kind of aside, I know I'm kind of going on a tangent, but I, I think they've really come out that's a really strong league right now that I think has potential to actually stick together because I, I think there's just a lot of schools that are sort of on e an even playing field as far as television markets and things like that. And it's a fun league. I, you've got the the teams obviously that that 
shook up the world on on Saturday, and then um, coastal is always fun. Um, yeah, I think it's a good change for people to to like you said, Southern Miss get out of conference USA. I mean, you know, all due respect to to the CUSA, it's a little stale, and they needed to shake things up and, and you know play some better games for your fans, play some better games to get on TV and. You know, Sunbelt might hold a little more cachet now than Conference USA. You can get those big non-con games against an AM or a Nebraska or something. Right. I mean, you're, you're and you just more... look at Southern Miss's division now. They've got ULL, South Alabama, Arkansas State, Texas State, Troy, UL Monroe. Like those are good regional strong rival. You know what I mean? That like yeah. you could actually build with something like that. And yes, it's not Conference USA from the 1990s with Louisville and all those teams. Those days are gone. Mm-hmm. But I think that. In lieu of that, this is the best. And I've been, I not to toot my own horn, but I've been saying for years that Southern Miss should get in the Sun Belt because Conference USA was just kind of pretending to be. And again, it's not necessarily Conference USA's fault, but they just, they had no real identity. And I actually think the Sun Belt does. I agree. And I mean, like you said, it's not the, the you know, this isn't your, your grandfather's Conference USA anymore where you had, you know, those fun Thursday night games between Louisville and Memphis, and they were always barn burners. And then the American became a conference and then kind of shook it up. And then now you've got, you know, Louisville's in the ACC and everybody's trying to get into the Big 12 because we don't know what the Big 12 is going to do with, with the shakeup there. And um, yeah, the Sun Belt, I mean, you know, people always say you call it the fun belt because it's it, the games are always fun. They're always right. wacky and they you know, like kind of intrigue. You know the match. Yeah, exactly. They have a the brand thing. It's it's a brand. It's a very regional conference. You get the rivalries. Yes, it's not the Big Ten, but it, they have their own thing going. And I think that the Sun Belt can recreate that, and already has in a lot of ways. In the South and the mm-hmm. Mountain West, can kind of do that in the West because you know you don't have to constantly worry about teams getting poached. Hopefully, and then as an added benefit, that's a heck of a baseball conference too. Oh yeah, for sure. That's yeah. That that that's a we're seeing how dangerous it is now to schedule Sunbelt and football, but yeah, Sunbelt baseball teams can come in and shake things up on a weekend against an SEC program. Um, but yeah, big win for uh, Sean Clark and the Nears. Um, just looking at the stats here before we move on, Texas A&M only had 186 total yards in this game, David. I know. They had nine first downs. App State had 22. App State had 315 total yards. And they had the ball for almost 41 and a half minutes to AM's 18. Right. That's just controlling a I team just whip, that was just supposed to be them. a top 10 team. And, you know, it's interesting. Ross Dellinger, who works for SI, uh, mentioned this on Twitter a couple hours back. I saw it. it, it the Texas AM quarterback situation reminds him, and I agree with this, a lot of the LSU situation. Remember, LSU could recruit everywhere, but for some reason could not find a quarterback until Joe Mm -hmm. Burrow, really. I mean, they had Zach Mettenberger that one year, and it kind of worked. But Texas A&M sort of the same way. They they recruit a bunch of four stars, five stars, and they just, I mean, they, you know, Kellen Mond was pretty good, but it never seemed like it, 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 click the way it should and and i think that's why texas a&m continues to remain vulnerable it's like when we talked about utah the past like when you play a bunch of close games and don't score a ton you invite yourself to have one of these games and and a good team can stay in it and beat you and and so 
I just think that's fascinating that Texas A&M with Jimbo Fisher, who obviously coached Jameis Winston at, at Florida State, can't seem to figure out the, the quarterback spot. It, it truly is bizarre. And a guy that I've had conversations with people, and I've, I'm not there yet, but it does pique my interest where I've had people bring up the discussion, you know, is, is Jimbo overrated? You know, what he had at Florida State with Jameis Winston and Kelvin Benjamin and, and that roster that won a national title. Is he really the quarterback whisperer that everybody talks about? Because you mentioned Kellen Mond, who was a blue chip prospect. And then, you know, he's had tons and tons of talent roll through there, not just at the quarterback position, but everywhere else. And he just can't seem to figure it out. Right. It just doesn't like the the bizarre parts. The parts don't turn into the sum. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, you know what I'm trying to say here. It's just like you see all these pieces and you like the athletes and you're like, wow, I love what he's doing there. But then he gets on the field and you're like, that nah, doesn't. And, and, and he's had time now. Like how many years has he been at Texas A&M? It's, it's been a minute. Yeah. Um, and he just signed an extension. Right. Um, and Texas A&M, year. you never have to worry about resources there. No, uh, this is his fifth season. Fifth season. Yeah. I so mean, he it's had about the... time to. And he's and he's been good, like nine and four, eight and five, nine and one in the COVID year, eight and four, and then now he's one and one. So it's not like it's been a complete disaster, but right for but their standards and what what they they recruit, didn't pay him to go eight and four. You know what I mean? No, they exactly. Pay, you know, I, expectations are different there. Like if you know you're at a lot of places, like if you're Mark Stoops in Kentucky, that's fine. But and you're, and you're and yeah, you can't go eight and four there when you're making that much money. And, you know, last year they finished eight and four. And this was a year that they lost to Arkansas, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, lost to LSU, and they got whipped by Wake Forest in the bowl game. Yeah. Uh, And I mean, that's just – It's in the West. It's underachieving considering the resources they have, the fan base they have. I mean, there is no reason that Texas A&M shouldn't be a top ten team every single year. I mean, just on pure resources alone. I mean, there's – a handful of teams that can match them. Keeping the theme of the big boys going down, we go to South Bend. I don't know if you saw this. As someone who is uh, an, an amateur gambler on Saturdays, I saw that there was a live bet that DraftKings gave the okay to. I'm assuming this was a Notre Dame fan. Somebody put in a live bet of $10,000 on Notre Dame money line <laughs> Ooh. that was only going to pay out like two grand. Um, right. Cause yeah. But I know that thought process where you're like, Oh, they're going to win. Like, That's an easy 2000. Right. Yeah, like, exactly. You know, like I can just make two grand. No problem. Yeah. In the somebody, bank. somebody that did the exact same thing. Now it was 10 grand, mind you, but I did the exact same thing last week with North Carolina and Georgia state. And I was like, Oh, they're going to cover the seven. And then it ended up pushing. So I didn't lose any money, but come on like Mac Brown in North Carolina need to figure out the defense somehow, but um, Marshall 26, Notre Dame 21, Tyler Buckner gets hurt. Um, Drew Pine comes in almost immediately throws an interception um, later on, had a touchdown pass to cut it to five. Um, but uh, the thundering herd put it away. Kalen LeBourne, uh transfer from Florida state um, blue chip, Blue chip running back, 31 carries, 163 yards, and a touchdown against Notre Dame. Um, I think a lot of people were buying stock in in Notre Dame after that big game against Ohio State. They hung in there. They hung in there. 
until Ohio State put them away. Big time loss there for Marshall. I think they got paid 1.2, 1.5 million, something like that. I think it was like 1.4. Yeah. Okay. Right yeah. In there. So, so got a nice check and got the dub. Um, but yeah, big win for, for Marshall and Charles Huff. Um, that was a, that was a fun one. Um, but now you've got Marcus Freeman, 0 and 2 on the year. Um, 0 and 0 3, 3 if you go overall. back. Yeah. If you go, go back, back to the I bowl actually game. covered that bowl game. Um, and in the bowl game, you kind of, you know, throw that one out, but sure. still it's a, it's a loss, but, um, yeah. Yeah. I've I seen mean, again, just, it, just, just crazy. I mean, Marshall had more total yards. Notre Dame. Had right. That's why I'm looking at the box score now too. That's the thing. And, and watching the game too, like you just didn't, it wasn't like one team was getting super lucky. I mean, you know, if you're Marshall, you always got to have a few breaks, you know, same thing with out mm-hmm. of state, but you know, this, like you said, they, you know, how do you say his name? Layborn? I think it's LeBorn. But anyway, 31 carries for 163 yards and a touchdown. Like, that's no joke. Your offensive line is moving people around. You're mm-hmm. creating holes. I mean, because you have to. Like, there's no way you run. Even it doesn't matter how good your running back is. Physically, you're winning some battles up front. And I, and I think that's what impressed me the most. And, and so, you know, I, I was kind of buying – as much stock as in Notre Dame as I ever do, but I, I was impressed by them in that Ohio state game. I thought they, they looked mm-hmm. pretty good. Um, but. And yeah, I, I, I think Marcus Freeman's a good coach. I mean, yeah, I mean, he's, he's an easy guy to like, I, I hope it works out for him, but yeah, I don't, you know, it's, <laughs> I mean, I'd love, I'd love to like opine like some amazing statement here, but yeah, the, you it's, just look at it. I don't know why that happened. Yeah, it's just a just a tough scene. Um, all right, last uh, big national storyline before we get into the SEC. Gata, Gata, however you want to say it. It's the uh, the acronym Georgia Southern. Get after their ass. Um, they got after it. Uh, Nebraska in Lincoln, forty five forty two victory over Nebraska. Big. Uh, I, I mean, I, I watched this one as it unfolded. I did Huge. too. Huge drive the, to yeah. take the lead. Kyle Van Treese, um, my guy went 37 for 56 for 409 yards against Nebraska. Yeah, um, that's, that's, I mean, they put up huge numbers against them. That's the, you know. I mean, 642 total yards. That's 642. I was just about to say that against a Big Ten defense. That's, it's insane. Um, I, I thought Nebraska was going to get down there and tie it and force overtime. They couldn't get close enough. Um, I can't remember. It was a it, it was a long field goal. It was a long field goal. It. I think it was fifty two yards. And uh, if you watch Scott Frost, he was almost like even before the kick was in the air, he was like ripping off his headset, like <laughs> like he knew what was coming. Like yeah. and, and 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 it's hard not to feel bad for him. I mean, I really you know he deserved. He, it is what it is. He deserved to be fired, but. You know, you could tell he was pouring his heart and soul into that, and it just was not working. I have never seen, you know, because everybody put on Twitter, you know, the list of how many one-score games they had lost. They were in every single game. And, and, you know, it's not like Scott Frost hasn't won football games before as a coach and as a player. You know, I I just, it's such, the psychology of sports and, and winning is so fascinating to me because, you know, Scott Frost didn't forget how to not 
you know, be clutch. It's not like, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, how does that just the, it's just bizarre how, how programs can just lose it. And, we, and it's so hard to regain. Yeah. Are, are we to the point now where is this a Nebraska problem as opposed to a Scott Frost problem? I mean, I mean, I think it's it's both. I mean, I, I do think Nebraska should be better than what they've shown the past year and a half. But yeah, I mean, like Nebraska, to a lesser extent, and I think Tennessee is kind of on the upswing now. But I think that, yeah, you know, they're they're big win for them. Yeah, absolutely. And, and finally, Tennessee is getting going. But, you know, I think some of these power programs that aren't necessarily in great recruiting areas at different than Nebraska more so than Tennessee on that, but even Tennessee is kind of hemmed in by a lot of other programs and different things yeah. like that. It's just, you know, there's, there's some natural advantages that, you know, even though they've got an amazing fan base, they've got great facilities, great history. I mean, you know, recruits just don't really care that much about the history more than about five years back. These kids are young. Like, yeah, they, they, don't, they don't know who, they don't know who Eric Crouch is. They don't know who Tommy Frazier is. They don't know. Yeah. You know, like all those guys, I mean, the Nebraska and, and same thing with Tennessee after so long, like you kind of lose that, that shine on your program. And so, yes, I think it is partly a Nebraska problem. And I, I don't know how they get that back. I mean, I think it's a program that can still be good, but, you know, are the days of them, you know, the Tom Osborne days, I'm not sure those are coming back. Yeah. that Oh man. If you want to, before I forget, I will say, I get what you're saying. I don't feel bad for Scott Frost because of the money he's getting. Well, sure. I mean, but... like, he's not going to be eating bologna sandwiches anytime soon. He's fine. But well, he's gonna, I feel he's bad take for the rest. That he he's going to take the rest of the year off, and then Saban's going to hire him next year, and he'll be fine. <laughs> um, he will be fine. But yeah. you can tell that job. He cared about that job, and it just didn't work out. Like, and, and I don't. And the money will help. You know, you could wipe your tears with some some Benjamins, but. You know, at the end of the yeah. day, that's that one's going to sting. Scott Frost didn't get it. You know, it's like I cover the Cardinals now here in Arizona and Cliff Kingsbury is the coach and he's the coach of the Arizona Cardinals in the NFL. But you could tell getting fired by his alma mater, Texas Tech. Like, yeah. And, and that, he's not better about it because he does. It hurts. It really hurts. And that's always going to it, eat at him that he yeah. couldn't get it done at Texas Tech because you really wanted to. He it absolutely means more to Scott Frost. I mean, you could physically see him, like how it was affecting his well-being. Yeah, it looked as like opposed he was to barf Jimbo losing times. at A and M. Right, it looked like Scott was going to barf multiple times. I thought that Georgia Southern game. You looked yeah. at the sideline. It's it was just like it is. It is bizarre because I mean, I, I'm not. I'm not. I mean, I'm old, but I'm not that old. But I mean, I remember the Tommy Frazier Nebraska teams that would just pound people into oh, the yeah. ground and they were the they're... alabama of the 90s i mean just physically oh, yeah. just dominated people i've got a good tom osborne story uh he was uh recruiting a guy that went to my high school in missouri and he actually ended a guy named steve warren ended up playing at nebraska and i was a freshman steve was a senior and uh tom osborne like the freshman baseball team or so i can't remember maybe it was basketball but we were getting ready a bunch of dumb 15 year olds and Tom Osborne walks into our locker room and we're, you know, we were just all like, 
And he was like, Hey guys, where's the coach's office? And we were just all like, uh, <laughs> it was like, that's Tom Osborne. And we kind of dumbly pointed towards the coach's office. Yeah. I was going to say, it's uh, like on heavy, on heavyweights where the girl walks over at the dance and asks where the bathroom is. And they all just like slowly point and don't say, yeah, anything. like, duh. <laughs> you know, I mean, it was like, it, you know, it's like today if Nick Saban walked in. Exactly. That's know, exactly was, what I was going to It was say. like college football royalty walking into your, your locker room. And so, um, it's just weird to see how far that's fallen, but yeah, I mean, it's, you know, in if some we, ways it logically makes some sense. It's just, you know, there's, they don't have a supernatural recruiting base. I think that's it. Cause everyone recruits nationally now. And it's, I mean, there's not a, there's not great local football around that area. Right. And it's not like they could just, okay, well, we're getting everybody from in state in this class. Okay. Well, how good are they? So I mean, right. it's not you like pluck a, people Florida from, uh, or Texas. a few guys from Omaha, a few guys from Lincoln, there's some decent high school football, and some, but you've got to supplement with, it's not like Texas or Florida, or even mm. for that matter, LSU, Mississippi, where you've just got dozens and dozens of, of talented players all around you. Like Nebraska has to go into places like, mm-hmm. you know, has to go to Chicago, has to go to, you know, other places that I, I just think that's harder than it used to be. Before we hit the break, just uh, to put into perspective for the listeners who, who may not be as privy to what Tom Osborne did at Nebraska, um, comparatively to Nick Saban, I think it's it's certainly up there. Not as many titles. He won three national titles, 12 conference titles in the Big 8, one in the Big 12. Um, but his, his overall coaching record at Nebraska, 255-49-3. He won 10 or more games, one, two, three, four, five, Look six, that too. seven, eight, nine, 15 10, times, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. It's, it's, it's unreal. 15 I, I, times in 25 years. And that's back when teams played a lot of times, just 12 games too. Mm-hmm. This isn't, you know, like, I mean, they, they were dominant. You look and you look at, and, and the thing is his worst, he never won less than nine games. That might be the most impressive thing. Which that, that rings a bell. Because how many Nebraska fans are now like, okay, we see why everyone was making fun of us when we fired Bo Pelini. Right. Like, who won be careful games. what to wish for sometimes. Yeah. It's, whew, yeah. Uh, Trev Alberts and them have their their work cut out for him to try to replace. Um, not because Scott Frost was great, but they got to figure it out. Because I don't right. know I mean, who that's wants the thing. that it's job. A, it, they had to, right. I mean, who... You know, where do you go? I, I really thought, and I think a lot of people did, that Scott Frost was about as good of a hire as they could have done at the time. You know yeah, what I mean? It, you got a guy. I mean, it seemed like the perfect it, storm. It, it was a perfect fit. The guy had, you know, it wasn't like Scott Frost had coached. You know, UFC, UCF was really good. Um, and so if you can't go there, where do you go? Great questions. I, wow. I do think it is. I don't think it's totally hopeless there. I think when you've got that kind of fan base, that kind of support, it's possible to get it back up and running really good, but it it's not going to be easy. Yeah, that's the that's what's wild to me is they still sell out that place. Yeah, it's, well, Nebraska is one of the few places that's kind of like the SEC in the sense that, you know, in the SEC, one reason I think it's so popular is there's just not as many, especially the history of pro teams there. You know, now you got the Titans, you got the Falcons, the Saints. There are some, but, you know, there's just not, it's not a huge pro market in a lot of places. Same thing in Nebraska. Yeah. Um, you know, that's Nebraska football is everything there. It's like Arkansas, 
You know, I mean, that mm-hmm. is the sport and there's no other comparable, like the other Creighton's good at basketball, but they don't even have a football program. I don't think so. You know, yeah. Nebraska is everything there football wise and, and all of the resources in the whole state pour to that one program. And so I, I do think there's something there. It's not, like I said, it's not a totally hopeless situation, but you know, 1997 was Tom Osborne's last year. Yeah. It was a long time ago. ago. Yeah. yeah. And Eric Crouch won the Heisman in 2001. Sounds right. Yeah. Cause then they got walloped by Miami in that title game, but yeah. Um, yeah. I, maybe they don't have to go too far. I, I, one name I like that I've heard, maybe they go get Lance Leipold at, at Kansas. He's, he's two and zero right now. He won 10 games at Buffalo. And, um, I don't know. Maybe that's who they go get. I, I, have, I would, I would not I like be that. on that committee. Right. That's not a bad idea, but yeah, I mean, it's because every bad coaching hire you make gets you farther and farther away from the glory days. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Kind of like yeah. that Tennessee situation, yeah. but uh, at least Tennessee, I think they've, they've, or at least trending in the right direction now. Yeah. All right. With that, we're going to hit our first break on the other side. Speaking of the Vols, we'll get to the SEC games that we haven't touched on. So hang tight and we'll be right back. This podcast is brought to you by Lamar Yard, Oxford's indoor-outdoor restaurant, bar, and entertainment space on South Lamar. They now have an updated menu with non-barbecue options from Tex-Mex to Mississippi Delta catfish to smash burgers. And you can contact Lamar Yard for your private events for the spring and summer. They have a dedicated event coordinator who will help you plan your event from start to finish, and they offer on-site catering. From weddings to Greek parties or corporate events, Lamar Yard is the perfect place to host your next party. Lamar Yard is Oxford's quintessential family and pet-friendly venue, and they look forward to hosting you soon. Check them out at lamaryard.com. And if you want a place for clever dishes and captivating cocktails, look no further than So Wild in South Lamar. Chef Erica and her committed team of food and beverage enthusiasts are bringing top-notch cuisine and libations to you six days a week. Whether it's happy hour three to six, fresh squeezed margaritas, ramen, two-for-one Moscow mules, all that more, the best and brightest in-house or via curbside pickup. Check them out, solaoxford.com or call them at 662-238-3500 and place your order today. The show also brought to you by Memphis restauranteur Kelly English and his restaurant group in Memphis, Tennessee. The renowned chef and his team are offering nationwide shipping and virtual cooking classes with Cooking with Kelly. You can learn more about the nationwide shipping at irisetc.com and you can also book a virtual cooking class online at table22.com slash iris. Kelly English Restaurant Group in Memphis, Second Line Restaurant Iris and the Magnolia House down on the coast in Biloxi. Show is also brought to you by Cherokee Valley Golf Course in Olive Branch, Mississippi. Get on over, see Cody Allen and the rest of the crew take on their challenge of the wide plush Zoiza fairways and large championship Bermuda greens. They've got two putting greens to hone in your game with the flat stick, a driving range, and a chipping green to tighten up that short game. Book a tee time online at olivebranchgolf.com or give them a call at 662-893-4444. The older I get, the more I realize there are just some things I don't know. Balancing a budget, for example. I'm not a financial whiz. Sure, I know batting averages, passing and rushing yards, three-point shooting percentage. But intentionally putting away money for retirement? That's where my friends at NerdWallet Smart Money Podcast come in. 
NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the financial world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning my tax bills so I don't dread April every single year. Actually, I was one of the first in line this time around. Saving on travel so that I can take my girls on trips because spending less on airfare means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. So enjoy the things you love, the Ole Miss Rebels, your family, your friends, knowing that your financial situation is taken care of with advice that you followed from NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app today. Trust me, future you will thank you. And we are back here on Daytime Fireworks. Zach Barry, David Brent with you. All right, David, looking around the rest of the SEC, um, pretty much the only game well, – we can go ahead and start with Tennessee because um, that was actually a, a hell of a game. Most of the other games um, outside of Kentucky, Florida, weren't very close, um, all things considered. But uh, Tennessee survives – in Pennsylvania, um, I can't remember what the new state, Heinz Field, RIP in, in, in pieces. It's not Heinz Field anymore, but um, they went in overtime, 34-27, uh, down 10-0 early, come back 17 points in the second quarter, and then they hang on for dear life at the end. Um, I thought Hendon Hooker, honestly, his statistics could have been much better um his receivers didn't help him out much Cedric Tillman had a couple drops but um pretty solid win for Tennessee on the road against a uh solid pit team they did lose Keaton Slovis to an injury had to go to the backup but I I was telling somebody yesterday that as a Tennessee fan you should really take solace in that because it was one of those games where you you learn how to win exactly and I know those and games that maybe you shouldn't have. That's such a, and and I, you know, talking about that, that's such a cliche, but as we know, it's, it's true. I mean, like teams that, you know, expect to win, you know, I, I remember Andy Kennedy, you know, former Ole Miss basketball coach told me one time, he goes, you know, confidence is a simple word, David, but it's a, it's a powerful word. And he said, you know, when you've got guys who believe they're going to win, believe they're going to come through in situations, it's like, you can't, you can try to teach that, but you can't totally get inside another person, make them believe it. And mm-hmm. so, you know, these types of games, I think with Tennessee, because that's the kind of game that Tennessee would have lost the last seven or eight years. You know, I mean, you know, yeah. look pretty good fight on the road against a good team. Something happens and Tennessee does a Tennessee thing. And this time they didn't, they found a way to win. And like you said, Pitt had a quarterback injury. There were some other things, but who cares? You figured out a way to win against a good team on the road in overtime. And I think that pays dividends down the road. And so, yes, I, I think that was a very, very big win for the Tennessee program. And I, I kind of knocked down Cedric Tillman a peg there because he had some drops, but he still managed nine receptions for 162, 162 yards. yards. Yeah. Um, uh, some really great names in this one too. Obviously Hendon Hooker is a great name, but then you've got Israel Abanaconda, um, 25 carries, 154 yards and a touchdown for Pitt. Um, one of my favorite field. What I was going to say, one of my, one of my favorite names in recruiting. I remember him. Um, but yeah, great win for, for Heupel and, uh, in the Vols. Alabama have a guy named Kool-Aid. They do. 
That's that's um, amazing too. I love it. Which he has a great first name. It's uh, Jaquincy, but obviously Kool Aid's much better. Kool Aid's even better. Yeah, Jaquincy's um, like upper echelon, but Kool Aid is <laughs> yeah. elite. Elite. Uh, um, but yeah, good win for the balls. Um, that one got a little squirrely late, but then obviously with uh, with Slovis going down, they hold on. Um, the other good one, Kentucky, Florida in the swamp. Um, a lot of John back and forth. Um, I know that Will Levis and uh, his teammates apparently had Gator on Sunday for like their team meal. Um, so that's I love that's the pettiness thing. of college football sometimes. Yeah. Uh, Anthony Richardson came back down to earth a little bit after the Utah game. Right. Um, yeah, that the, the shine wore off on that. 3.8 QBR is not going to get it done. Um, Big turnovers were, were the difference here. Um, I, you had a former Ole Miss Rebel, Kedron Smith, had a pick six because um, Levis didn't have his best day, 13 for 24 for 202. He threw a pick. Um, Cavassier Smoke, I did not realize he was still at Kentucky. I feel like he's been there forever. Um, but, yeah, this was without Chris Rodriguez, who will be back. I know they announced that he will be back for the Ole Miss game. I know everyone's shocked at that. Um, <laughs> But um, but yeah, I think I think Florida's fine. I think Napier's got them headed in that in the, in the right direction. Um, right, it's it's year one of a rebuild. They're going to have some yeah. losses, but they're. I, I, I think people were thinking Florida was going to win this game. I, I didn't. I I didn't think it was going to be a blow up any means, but I think people were kind of maybe regressing to the mean a little bit with like, oh, well, you know, they they dominated this series. Kentucky's on the road and. They don't it's have just hard. I back. mean, for, I think from a casual fan's perspective, and even a hardcore fan, it's just it. It's hard to take Kentucky seriously, even though they absolutely should be taken seriously. And Mark Stoops yeah. has done an incredible job. I mean, at this point, it's not an accident anymore. Like this is a pretty good program. Like you know, I'm not. I'm not saying they're a Georgia or an Alabama, but they've got athletes. They coach pretty well. I've mm-hmm. always, you know, my my former boss at the Clarion Ledger, Rusty Hampton. He was uh, the Kentucky beat writer from 1998, from 2002, like the Tim Couch years. Mm-hmm. Um, and he always talked about, I, I really do think that Kentucky has an underrated football fan base that I think that's, you know, they pack that considering how kind of dumpy their performance has been up until the last four or five years, they've got a pretty rabid fan base. And I think they, you know, if they get it going, that's not necessarily a sleeping giant, but like a sleeping sort of large giant, you know what I mean? Like in that, yeah, not that upper tier, but you know, Mark Stoops has got that thing rolling. And I think it's, it's just hard when you've covered the league for nearly two decades. Like I have at times, you know, off and on in different, it's just hard to take Kentucky seriously. But at this point, I, I think they're here to stay. They're pretty good. Offense, I think is still a bit of a question. Now they don't have their running back back yet. Um, but yeah, Levis with the new OC, no Wandell Robinson out there. I, I feel like they're so good up front. You can't just truly defend them like you defend Mike Leach, where you drop seven or eight and make the quarterback beat you. Um, because they can get physical and run the football. Right. Um, so it is, it's, you know, don't call them a basketball school anymore. I mean, Mark Stoops has done a fine job. He has, built an identity like they they kind of know who they are they don't try to to be something else 
Exactly. They're going to run the, they're going to run the football. They're going to play defense. Um, it, it's just going to be tough for them you know, in the East with what Kirby smart and Georgia's doing. And then now Tennessee seems like they've woken up and, and, and they're clawing their way to getting back to where it feels like 98. Um, but yeah, great win for Kentucky on the road. I mean, again, that's a 10 point win against the Gators in the swamp is, is one of those, those check marks for a program that's trying to be taken serious. Well, and you just look at that program, they've got a chance to, to get some momentum too. You got Youngstown state and Northern Illinois. Then your next real big game is Ole Miss on October 1st. And then after that, you're at home against South Carolina, Mississippi state. I, you know, if they find a way to beat Ole Miss, it's very conceivable that they're seven and zero going into that Tennessee game and being, Oh yeah. You know, what a top five team. Yeah. I, I mean, I know that Ole Miss people are talking about the, you know, if Ole Miss gets by Georgia tech this weekend, we'll get to that in the uh, third and final segment, but that's a potential two top 15 teams. Absolutely. Un- undefeated, maybe getting game day. I haven't looked at what that week looks like, but yeah, that's that a set up huge as a- game. A seven versus fourteen, something like that, for yeah. really good. Yeah, I mean, I that, and I think that's going to be a heck of a game too. So we, you know, some things have to develop, but yeah, Kentucky's got it, got it set up pretty good. I'm trying to remember when was the last time Kentucky played in Oxford. That oh man, was... that's been a minute. Because I used to cover Kentucky quite a bit because they played at Southern Miss several years ago. And then they also were Mississippi State's yearly opponents. So you always covered them at state. But yeah, Ole Miss. 2010. Wow. It was it, it was vacated, but Ole Miss won 42-35. That was when Joker Phillips was coaching Kentucky. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's been 12 years because they had the weird um back-to-back road games in that series were 2017 and 2020 Lane Kiffin's first year um they were in Lexington so yeah um we'll see if they can get there both teams can get there undefeated that it's going to be a I would assume a night game unless they want to put it midday but that'll be uh that'll be a fun one um around the s uh the rest of the sec um not too much else to talk about. Wake disposed of Vandy. Um, Kansas State put it on Missouri. Um, yeah, that's, you know, it's hard. You remember when Missouri first came into the league and was the East Division winner a couple of years yeah. ago? That seems like a long time ago. <laughs> that was, oh, what was the quarterback's name? Jamal Chase uh, Daniel? No, <laughs> that was that was when they were still in the Big 12. I, was it Jamal Franklin? Oh, oh man, because uh, I, I know people have said that that Missouri Ole Miss game that was in Oxford was one of the coldest games they've ever been to. Um, oh, 2012 Missouri. I feel like his last name was Franklin. Um, yeah, look, yeah, because they went – yeah, they went 12-2. and two. It was their second and third year of the SEC. It was 2013 to okay, 2014. Okay. Oh, my God, what was the – what was his name? Um, uh, passing was James Franklin. James back, Franklin. And their okay. backup was Matty Mock. Remember that name? I yeah. Remember. Yeah. Um, all well, they had like Michael Sam and really good off the edge. And they were, they were good. Yeah. And I, I cannot remember his name. The running back was really good. Um, 
Henry Josie. Henry Josie ran for 1,100 yards. Yeah. 2013. Um, That's not the name I'm thinking of, but. Yeah, they were, they were 12 and 2. Russell, Russell Hansbrough. Nothing to sneeze at. I think he was related to the the Tyler Hansbrough. Tyler Hansbrough, yeah. And Ben Hansbrough. But um Tyler Hansbrough's from Missouri, so that would make some sense. That checks out. Um yeah, Auburn survives a bit of a scare. They were down 10-7 to San Jose State at the half. Uh they win that one 24-16. LSU blows out Southern. Um, the real the, Nobody went for the football. They went for the human jukebox. They wanted to go see that. And I believe they did kind of a duet with LSU's band at halftime. That was great. I bet that was um, stellar. I would like to see that. Oh, that was absolutely one of my joys was I, I covered Jackson state for a couple of years before I covered Ole Miss. And I got to see pretty much every band in the swack. And it was pretty awesome. Oh. I think the most, the most underrated one was I, I mean, there's the human jukebox, obviously awesome. Uh, you know, Jackson State's band's incredible, but the Ocean of Soul at Texas Southern Ooh, was really good too. And I love that name. It was it's an coming out of the name. field and it was like the Ocean of Soul. That's great. I it was good yeah. stuff. I, I I would if it that's what people should do. The early slates for halftime when you don't want to like watch all the recap stuff, just go try to find the live streams of all the swack bands playing oh the the sonic boom the jukebox ocean of soul all of them were good phenomenal but uh but yeah i actually you know we we talked a little bit but i actually got to cover an sec game i did that mississippi state arizona game down in tucson you did um and i was i was a degenerate and i stayed up and watched the entire thing absolutely it's pac 12 after dark for you for me it's just football but it, I mean, it is after dark, but you know what I mean? It's not, mm. that was a late game for people. I mean, what really time did late. that get over? Like two? Uh, I was like two, three. Yeah, it was late. Cause I mean, even the state players were like, yeah, it feels late. It was like, well, it, it was, was about 3 a.m. your time. It, it was so late that at one point my wife came downstairs and was like, I was just making sure that you were all right. <laughs> and I was like, oh yeah, we're, we got like 10 minutes left in the fourth. We're right. Good. Yeah. We got, we got plenty going on here, but yeah, it was kind of a strange game because you never really felt like, Mississippi State was going to lose that game, but they kept having mm-hmm. turnovers and like it stayed sort of close for a while. But just I, I know a lot of people listening to this don't know much about Arizona, but it's hard to explain how bad they've been the last two or three years. So that they're the second year of Jed Fish, and and they actually for the first time since I've lived here look like a functional Power Five football team. I'm not saying they're good, but they actually mm-hmm. that Jaden Delora is a legit quarterback. They got Jacob Cowing, and you know that was a a solid road win for Mississippi State. And I thought Will Rogers looked real good. Uh, the the interception wasn't his fault, and neither were the fumbles. So he was really good. I, I think State's going to be good. They're going to be a, mm-hmm. a team that's difficult to yeah. prepare for just because of what they do, and feels like a seven and five, eight and four, but a team you got to really take seriously. Yeah, I I think they look. In, in all due respect, a little bit of a shell of themselves from a year ago. Um, not as good up front offensively. Obviously, there's no Charles Cross over there. Right, so, Charles Cross, um, they miss him. So, yeah, you, you miss those first-round uh, left tackles. But um, you know what Will Rogers is going to do? He's going to throw it all over the yard. They've got some dudes that can catch it. Um, Dylan Johnson's an okay back. I, I just – I still need to see them, and we'll, we'll get to see it this weekend – when you have as good or better athletes up front and you're capable of dropping seven or eight, can Will Rogers 
get all the way down the field and score because right. that's the book. And that's how you beat them is you make him go all the way down and score because they, they don't really have that stellar running back that can pound it in, in the red zone. They have to get real crafty with how they attack you down right. in the red zone. You have um, to make them execute in the short passing game, like 12 or 13 times in a row. And if yeah. you do that, and if you do that, and if, if state does that, then you tip your cap. Hey, yeah, you got exactly. it. But that's, that's harder to do even with shorter passes. You know, I mean, it's just a lot of, you've got to make a lot of good decisions in a row against a team with a mm-hmm. lot of good athletes. So I I'm looking forward to seeing them against LSU too. Cause I do think it totally changes the calculus of uh, you know, as I, I can't remember if it was Mike Leach, but they need their offensive line to at least get run over slowly. You know, just, <laughs> it's, <Yeah. laughs> but I can't remember who told me that, but it was, maybe it was Leach. It was like his first couple of years at Valdosta state. He's like, all we had was a quarterback who could throw and some offensive linemen who got run over slowly. Uh, like, <laughs> that's a good way to put it. Like, just, yeah. you know, you don't um, have to dominate. Just, yeah. Just hold but, your ground for like a second. But I mean, a sound, as as boring of a 22 point win as you can get it was um, it was that's I, a that's a good way to put it it was it was a weird yeah. game but i mean they, they you, took you care never of this they dominated yeah you never thought arizona could win it it got dicey a couple times where arizona well, it was got 25 17 at one point and arizona was driving a little bit and then they had a turnover and state went down and scored and that was that but yeah it yeah. was i mean it was a game in the second half i thought the at this point i was just hoping for a cover and noah fafita the backup uh for arizona came in and was throwing some dimes and um actually had a couple touchdowns dropped um but yeah i I think jed fish has got him going in the right direction i mean what was the spread on that game well so i was going for the over Oh, I guess not, okay. not to cover because I thought it was over. like I thought state was like an 11 point favorite or 12. I think it's I think it closed at 10 and a half. So, yeah, right. I misspoke not to cover, but to get the over. Um, but yeah, I mean, they've got the the T McMillan, the receiver that was a uh a heavily recruited four star, he's there. Um, and then Delora, he had a he had a bad game, but you, you see the talent and you see, he right. Can throw I mean, it. he's he's a gunslinger. He could throw it around. I mean, he just was under a lot of pressure at times and made some bad decisions. But I mean, I don't hate that because I think when you're Arizona at a game like that, you got to take a few chances because yeah. you're you're not going to just. And he took a, There was that one play that was all over Twitter where he <laughs> scrambled around for like 15 seconds. It reminded me the only I was like that might be the craziest play involving Mississippi State. And then somebody reminded me of remember third and 93 at that Louisiana. Oh yeah. That was one of the funniest plays. Like I totally lost decorum in the press box when that one happened. I just started laughing out loud as the ball was running down the field. You know, I was just that just, that just like play, a belly laugh. It was so fun. <laughs> that play reminded me of when you could put in the um the turbo cheat on NFL Blitz where you never ran out of turbo. Right. And I would play my brother and I would just run around with the quarterback, just like to each sideline back and forth because right. you also had it to where you could put the coat on where you couldn't run out of bounds to where you could just hold the joystick all the way to the right and then all the way to the left. And yeah. And then finally someone's going to come open. Um, but uh, all right. So let's get to um, the final segment here. As we talk Ole Miss, we'll briefly touch on the UCA game, but then we'll look ahead to Georgia tech. So hang tight. We'll be right back on daytime fireworks. 
Podcast brought to you by Protection Unlimited Incorporated, the Mid-South's leader in commercial and residential alarm security. Wayne Lowry and his team have been serving the greater Memphis area and North Mississippi for 50 plus years and would love to get your business and or family protected today. They offer cutting edge security for your home or business with video surveillance options and they're monitoring 24 7 365. You can reach them via phone at 901-754-6510 or email them at info at protectionunlimited.com. Podcast also comes to you thanks to Bluff City Advisory Group, Memphis's leading team of finance professionals. They can provide advanced assistance with financial planning, pension and qualified plan support, and business and estate planning strategies. Former Ole Miss Rebel and founding partner Ben Still, along with his elite-level customer service team, make it their goal to help you meet the ongoing demands of your financial needs. Learn more about them at bluffcityadvisory.com. Podcast brought to you by the Barry Home Team. You're ready to sell and make the most net profit from your home. Call Stacy and Rick Barry today. They will lead you through the process from property assessment, repairs, staging, and putting that sold sign in your yard. Both have earned the multi-million dollar club member status, and they would love to assist you today in your real estate ventures. Call them 901-481-6420 or 901-461-6421. After you have talked to the Barry Home Team, you can talk to Saddle Creek Title, another proud sponsor of the show. They're the Mid-South's leader in client-focused, innovative closing solutions. Neil Hanna and his team are more than just a real estate closing firm. They are dedicated to going the distance to ensure the ease and growth of your real estate business. Find more information at SaddleCreekTitle.com or call them 901-753-1600. Show brought to you by Davis McCord State Farm. If you're looking for good neighbor service and surprisingly great insurance rates, look no further than Davis and his team. They are your one-stop shop in Alabama, Arkansas, Tennessee, and Mississippi for the service you deserve at the price you want. So stop looking around. Give Davis a call. He is ready to help. 901-755-6110 and get your surprisingly great rates today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, final segment here on Daytime Fireworks as we talk about the Ole Miss Rebels. UCA, man, I, I don't know what I don't know what the check was, but I hope it was worth it because it was ugly. 59 to 3. Ole Miss just it was 28 nothing after the first quarter. Um it was never close, but uh Jonathan Mingo had himself a day. Three catches for 103, had the uh, Sports Center top 10 catch. And then Michael Trigg had three touchdowns. Malik Heath, former Mississippi State Bulldog, has um, another touchdown. So two weeks for him, two touchdowns. And then um, we got some intrigue with the quarterback situation. Luke Altmeyer comes out, firing on all cylinders. I think he started six for six, um, had the touchdown run as well. Then he gets injured. I believe he was injured on the touchdown run. Right, came down really hard on the shoulder. Was favoring it. Had a uh, interception that was a long throw from one hash to the sideline. Um, started favoring it a little more, and then came out. And then uh, Jackson Dart picked up where he left off. Ten for fifteen, one eighty-two, two touchdowns. Had a couple big throws. Um, the running game again, two hundred thirty-three yards, three touchdowns. Judkins had another big day. Zach Evans had a touchdown. Bentley had a touchdown. Um, that's a team you should beat and that's exactly how you should beat them. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's, that's what I was about to say. That's, that's what should have happened. They've still got Isaiah Woolard on the roster. Speaking of guys who've been around oh, yeah. for seven or eight years. 
think he's got tenure now. <laughs> but uh, no, I thought it was, you know, obviously the quarterback situation. I don't, I hadn't heard what, what's the deal with Altmaier. Is he out long-term or is he? So the word is he did not throw at practice today. Um, I know I, I spoke to a source that was at the game on the field. He was obviously not playing the second half. Um, he was, I don't think he was in a sling or anything, but he was in street clothes. Um, so I do believe it is a shoulder. Nothing official has been announced or anything yet, but, um, and I don't want to get too ahead of myself here and maybe I'm speaking out of turn. I think for him, if he is in fact injured and is going to miss significant time, I think he needs to opt for a medical red shirt and secure this year of eligibility. So he doesn't lose it, whether he sticks around or if he gets in the portal, whatever, I, I that's just my opinion for his sake. I mean, he, can, Oh yeah. I, I mean, and that will certainly, like you said, if he's going to miss more than two games, I mean, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. that would probably be the best way to go. So I do believe he is, in fact, injured. He is not hurt. Um, I think he is an, an actual injury because, um, I mean, I think he was going to try to tough it out. But after the the interception, it was a long throw. And I think it put a lot of stress on the shoulder. And I think they had, you know, obviously advised him to come out because I don't even know what the score was. Maybe it was 31 nothing, something like that. When he, you know, so there's no reason for him to be in there. Um, but that's the last that I heard a couple hours ago was that he did not throw at practice and that um, he does in fact have some kind of shoulder injury. Okay. So, but um, I mean, yeah, I think I mean, the good news for them is, you know, sometimes people say, if you've got two quarterbacks, you got no quarterbacks, but I, I don't think that's the case with Ole Miss this time. I think they've got two legitimate options, whichever way they go. I yeah. think, and, and the running game is so good. Like we've talked about, I, I think that's going to have to kind of carry and be the bread and butter, at least during the first half of the season. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think having more options is better than no options. Sure. And regardless of, of your opinion on who you think should be the starter before the injury, I mean, I think that Ole Miss was going to be in good hands either way. Right. It, two different skill sets, two different ways of running the offense, but both were more than capable. So, and this is going to be a year of growing pains regardless at that position because – Altmaier has not played a ton. Jackson Dart played, you know, four or five games for SC last year, but he's still 19 years old. I mean, he's younger than Altmaier. So they were both going to have, you know, they're going to have those highs and they're going to have those lows. I mean, that's just, that's just a fact. I mean, they're just not experienced guys, so they're going to make mistakes. But um, you hate that the competition, if it does end th this way, because you obviously don't want anyone to get hurt. Sure. But, um, you like to, you know, for the, to be settled on the field, but I mean, it would provide a little clarity. Yeah, sure. Uh, one, one thing that maybe a little unsung here, the defense now it is central Arkansas, but they handled their business. The defense held them to 233 yards. Um, they only had 12 first downs forced four turnovers. Um, just they did what they were supposed to do. Exactly. Yeah. Like you said about the game, just in general, that's what against central Arkansas, you need to dominate. They did. Yeah, 4.2 yards per pass, and they held them to 2.6 yards per carry. Um, Kiffin's going to have some some things he's going to hammer. Um, I think one thing, if he hasn't mentioned it in the presser already, penalties, Ole Miss had nine penalties for 79 yards. When you get into SEC play, that's not going to favor well. Um, Got to get that cleaned up. But, but yeah, I, I think 
looking ahead to Georgia Tech here as we turn the page, I, I think that, and we've we've talked about it either on this show or maybe me, you and I have just chatted about it, and we've talked about it on our other shows. I think that the run game is something that's going to help bridge the inexperienced to the you know experienced quarterback down the road this year for Ole Miss, where that run game and having the ability to turn and hand it to Zach Evans or Quinshawn Judkins or Bentley or Bullock or whoever it is, that's going to help you settle into games where it's not all on the shoulders of the quarterback. Right, where you don't have to, you know, throw throw the first three plays of the game. You know, I, I just think you can establish some things and you'll always be in games with a decent running game. Yeah. Um, so looking ahead, Georgia Tech this week, um, first road game of the year for Ole Miss, first real test. Um, this one is, is intriguing to me. Um, the line right now is 16, favoring the Rebels. Um, Georgia Tech is – or Ole Miss is giving them 16 points in Atlanta, I, over under 64 and a half. Now, Ole Miss hasn't – you know, they put up 59 last week against Central Arkansas, but the offense Man, I'd be is, tempted to take the under on that. Yeah, because – and I've that's a lot of points. And, it is. And I've gone back and forth on whether or not, you know, where that I could lean. 38-21, you still don't get there. Right. Um, and my thing is, is, is Georgia Tech is hard to figure out because they, they play Clemson close in the opener, and I get it's a neutral site, and it's the first game of the year. But Clemson ended up blowing them out. Um, I think that Sims gives them something at quarterback that's tough to – to defend Jeff Sims is mobile. He can move. Um, but man, they, they really struggled with Western Carolina last week. And this was right. Like, that's the thing. I only 343 total yards against Western Carolina. I just, I think, you know, offense just seems like it's a bit of a struggle for them right now, which kind of speaks to what you were talking about. The over under. Yeah. Um, you I mean, know, I, I, Jeff I, Sims I just, was eight for 17 in that game. Right. Is he going to be yeah, better? And they against... ran for a lot of yards, but yeah, is he going to yeah. be better against Ole Miss's defense, which is looks I mean, like a pretty good defense at this point? Yeah, and I mean, all jokes aside, I would say they're probably their strongest unit on defense in secondary. They're extremely multiple. They're athletic. They do a lot from that three-two-six that can really kind of mess with your eyes. I, I don't know. I, I'm not saying Ole Miss is. I'm not guaranteeing a blowout here, but I just Georgia Tech only scored 35 against Western Carolina. Uh, right. What's what's this team? What's this Ole Miss team going to look like on the road? I do think there is a chance for a little more continuity, a little more rhythm, because I do think with the injury, Dart's going to get all the first team reps this week at practice. I do think there might be a little psychology here where he knows he's the guy. He's not going to be looking over his shoulder or looking to the sideline to see if he's getting taken out to let Altmeyer come in. I don't know. Maybe I'm looking too far into it, but I, I just think that this is a game that sets up nicely for Ole Miss. I mean, Georgia Tech lost their two best players from a year ago. Um, one, Jared Ivey is on the Ole Miss team. And then the other one, obviously, Jameer Gibbs, who's at Alabama. I, I This is, from a betting perspective, it's a tough one. Right. I, I think for Ole Miss, if you've got to go on the road to face an a ACC team, 
it's a pretty good one right now. Just situationally, the opponent, yeah, like sure. you said, the way they're kind of in transition. I do. I've always liked Jeff Collins, their coach, you know, back when he was the de- defensive coordinator at Mississippi State. Um, he was he was one of the few guys I always thought that could take, you know, because Dan Mullen was not the easiest person to work for mm-hmm. um, in the history of the world. But Jeff could always kind of bounce off him and you know the the all that stuff he never seemed really phased by it so i think he's a good coach but um yeah this is another tough place to win right yeah especially you know because they did the triple option forever yeah um you know it's but but it's another place too where you can see like how you could build something fairly good there just because i mean the recruiting base in that area yeah you're fighting georgia but if you do something different and I mean, there's still players around there, but yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. But yes, I, I feel this just strictly from a feel standpoint, I think Ole Miss should feel pretty good. And, and from a betting perspective, like you said, I, I like the, I like the under and I like Ole Miss. Yeah, I, I d- definitely the under is what's speaking to me. I'm still not sure about what I want to do with the spread because again. Of course, when you're playing a lower scoring game, the spread yeah. becomes more of a, but I, I can see Ole Miss winning this game like 35, 13. That's what I was going to say. Like if, if they get a 35, 10 win, I mean, that covers, but will Georgia tech get a late touchdown to where it's right. You know, I mean, that's 30. always the wild card. I mean, it, you know, cause Vegas is really good for a reason. And I, I love, you know, yeah. I mean, like you said, there's so many, like you were talking about the Arizona game those late touchdowns or a late block field goal or a late, I mean, it always seems to come down to that. Yeah. Cause it, I mean, you could definitely, if, if Luke Altmaier is in fact injured and he's out for several weeks, if this game gets comfortable enough for Ole Miss to where let's say it's, you know, I don't know, 31, seven, 30, 34, 10, maybe Kiffin wants to pull Jackson dart out. Right to avoid a stupid injury late in the game that's that's already over. And then you have a guy like Kincaid Dent, you know, throw a pick and then they get a short field and they get, you know, it's, but, th- but that's why the buildings in Vegas are built on cash. <laughs> right, exactly. Credit, that's because, yeah, I mean, you, you always see these lines. That's, I mean, big lines always scare me, even against, you know, when Alabama's playing like the Citadel and I know that you don't usually have lines. <laughs> or or, or, the or when they're playing night. Texas and it's 20. Right. Exactly. I mean, but you know, those huge lines, like 48 points or something like that. I mean, just cause weird stuff happens late in those games. Yeah. Um, yeah. So still not sure. We'll, we'll get to that later in the week on our hit that line podcast. When we talk about week three and all of our picks, we will absolutely touch on Georgia tech Ole Miss still in a holding pattern right now. I'm not sure where I'm leaning there. I'd probably lean towards taking the points. Um, the under is my favorite one. Just first, yeah. it's for that. that that seems like fairly easy money. Of course, every yeah. time I say that, don't let, <laughs> don't bet the farm on me. Everybody who's listening, but I, for I think for, I think right now, looking at Pro Football Focus, ninety four percent of the cash is on Ole Miss. Um, so heavy favorite, I believe, if I remember this correctly, listening to a podcast earlier today. Um, Shout out to the folks over at, at College Sports Now, Stephen Hartzell and, and uh, Roddy Jones. I think the line started at seven and it moved up 
all the way to 16 and a half. So it started at seven. I think that's what they said. Oh, yeah. Somebody... I can understand why all the money was on this. <laughs> yeah. It, well, a, if it was, if it was seven, right there, if it, if it was just seven, I mean, should have gotten on that early. Um, right. Because Ole Miss, I think, can definitely cover that. But fun game, 2 30 um, Central Time, which is what for you? That 12 is 12.30 for my yeah, time. Okay. It's always, my time I'm, I'm two hours earlier here until November. <clears throat> and then Arizona is one of the few places that doesn't do daylight savings. So then I'm just one hour behind you. Yeah. Okay. That's. I, and here's my plug. That. This is my plug. It's amazing not having daylight savings. Like everybody's always yeah. like, oh, change the clocks. It's like, nope, just another night for me. Yeah, don't don't have to worry about the microwave. Don't have to worry about the oven. Nothing. Right. Yeah. And and everything seems to go just fine. Here, everything. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Life goes on. Nobody uh, like it. Just you know. Everyone's doing right in Arizona. It's fine. Right. Um. All right. Well, that's gonna do it for this edition of Daytime Fireworks. Again, thanks to David for joining. Thanks to you, the listener, and as always, thanks to the sponsors that make this show possible. Like I said recruiting podcast will be coming later this week as well as hit that line when we tackle week three i gotta do something i gotta either just go against everything that i am thinking because i'm just abysmal at picks right now but um a couple more podcasts coming to you stay locked in olmspirit.com part of on three david this is fun man we'll do it again next week absolutely zach sounds good all right until then we are out Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.